Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Longevity and growth. Longevity and growth. In 30 years, many people have come and gone. Churches have been planted, not there anymore. Churches that used to be there don't exist anymore. There have been scandals. There have been all kinds of different things happen. So what does it take for growth and longevity? It takes a squirrel. Yes, that little rodent. A squirrel. S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L. So I've got eight points to my message. Don't time me. I've got all the evening. We ain't going anywhere. Tomorrow's Saturday, so you're good. S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L. I had to come up with something to make it sticky to, to understand that the, I like the word that you use, model, so that you can take the replication of these great leaders and replicate it in your life. Now, you might not build an auditorium. You might build people. You might build people, and you might build businesses. You might build families, but you are still going to have longevity and growth. So S, S simply stands for scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. I think if we don't value scarcity, we will never see God. <clears throat> so there was a scarcity of courage. David showed up. There was scarcity of money. So the prophet showed up with uh, a command to fill up their vessels with oil. There was a scarcity of leadership, and Moses showed up. Because, see, there's something about a miracle. If there is no scarcity, there is no need for a miracle. See, the only prerequisite in your life and my life for a miracle is to have a problem. And if you live a problem-free life, you're living a miracle-free life. So, so when you think about scarcity, when Pastor Andre, Pastor Wilma came here, and you saw the pictures up there, they had 70 people. Today, you had to register to come in. I mean, think about that. I'll be there. And you just need to know, if you are, if you registered and are not in this room, there will be an email coming to you <laughs> that you can buy yourself out of perdition by doubling your miracle offering. <laughs> it's pretty simple. I mean, you, it, it's pretty simple. Scarcity. When you came here, pastors, there was a debt of 60,000 rands. And they were struggling to meet that. In fact, in fact, the monthly income was 18,000 rands and the monthly bills, expenses were 22,000 rands. 18,000 rands income, 22,000 rands outgo. I, you didn't get that math. 
think of it as an Indian. I have a deal for you. Mm-hmm. Today, Rivers Church owns, tighten your seatbelt, 380 million worth, rents worth of property. So what is 380 million? I'm going to give it to you. 380. And six zeros after that. Thank God for that. Because when you value scarcity, you're looking for God. That's why I love what you call it, miracle offering. Because we have a need, you have the money, you put it in people's pockets, all we gotta do is get it out of the pocket. <laughs> See, if you are in a place in your life right now experiencing scarcity, I have a good word for you. A miracle is just around the corner. So that stands for scarcity. There will be a test at the end, by the way. <laughs> Q stands for questions. Q stands for questions. And the questions are, what are the needs of the people? Questions are, God, what are you saying to us? Questions are, God, I know what is happening other places, but what is the anointing on our life? In fact, I want to show you the value of questions in Luke chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. And when you put it up there, if you can just, oh, listen, when I give a test, AV people, don't put that cue, don't put the answers up there. Bunch of cheaters in this room. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, and leave it up there because I want to talk about that. After three days, they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers Listening to them, everyone said listening, to them and asking them questions. Verse 47, everyone who heard him was amazed at his, number three is what? Understanding and his answers. Four things are happening in a sequence. He is number one doing what? Listening. Then he's asking questions, which gives him understanding and hence he can have some answers. Now, the context behind that, the hermeneutic behind this is very interesting. So, Jesus is 12 years of age. His parents take him to Jerusalem, as was their custom, the Bible says. So, this is his 12th trip to the church. And now they're on their way back. Three days into the journey, they discover, hey, where's the boy? Where's Jesus? You know, we talk about finding Jesus his dysfunctional parents <laughs> lost Jesus. Now, you know Mary had a heart attack. <laughs> she lost the Son of God. <laughs> so they find their way back. You know, they, I mean, their hearts are palpitating. This Bible says it took them three days to get back. 
three days. Now they are in, they find Jesus in the center of the city, and he's there with the lawyers, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the rabbinical leaders of the time. And there's this 12-year-old boy holding court. I have a question for you, especially if you can hear it from an Oriental, Middle Eastern point of view. How does a 12-year-old boy gain and keep the attention in a patriarchal culture of these learned men? So if you can picture there are people with, you know, long flowing beards, long flowing hair in, in, in their uh, re religious garb, and they're sitting there, and this 12-year-old boy shows up. How does he even get their attention? Four things he did that your pastors did. Number one, he did what? He what? Listen. You know, we're good at hearing, but not good at listening. How many of you married? Married, married men. Married men. Can I see your married men? Be brave about it. You can raise it higher. She's sitting right next. Married men, married men, married men. Not a trick question. It's, a, it's just, a, just a question. I'm not going to ask you for money. Just a question. Thank you, Derek. Just a question. Married men, put your hands down. Have you ever had your wife talking to you? You all are getting ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. I'm the speaker here. I'm the, don't get ahead of me. And she says what? You're not even I think you ladies like that, right? <laughs> Let me ask you that again. You can say it loud enough for your husband to hear you. You're not even Did you see that? And you know what we say? Of course I can tell you everything you just said. Because there's a difference between biological hearing and because listening, you absorb what somebody is actually saying, or somebody is actually not saying, but you can still hear and listen to what they are saying. Listening. Number two, he started asking questions. I can see the young Andre and Wilma Olivier just asking questions. They still do that. Just asking questions. And out of questions, they gain an understanding that leads us to answers. Longevity and growth is all about, not, not about getting to answers first. It is about deep listening, asking the right questions. So S stands for scarcity. Q stands for questions. What's the next alphabet? Mm-hmm. You. Thank you for keeping up with that. You. You stands by being unafraid of failure. Unafraid of failure. <laughs> uh, Pastor Andre told me a story yesterday that Rivers was growing. Then the church needed to get some money from the bank. The bank would not give him an appointment, wouldn't give him time. Would that be the president? Is that what you'd call them? Bank manager? Did not want to meet with Pastor Andre? So you know what your sophisticated, dignified, respectful, honorable, good-looking pastor did? 
He said, if you won't give me the time, I'm going to come and sit outside your office till you do. So he told me all day long, somebody kept saying to him, he doesn't have time for you. In fact, the manager one time came out and said, I'm really busy today. He said, good, I'm, I'm here whenever you come out. You got to get to your car eventually. <laughs> you will have to take a bio break. I'll be here. He comes out five minutes later. He was able to present the vision, didn't have any videos, didn't have architectural red, but there was something he was not afraid of, failure. Why do you want to die a woulda, coulda, shoulda life when you can camp outside and say, God, you made me a promise. God, you gave me a word. God, there was destiny in my life. I'm going to sit here till I get a word from you. Unafraid of failure. You know, our graveyards are full of musicians who never played. Our graveyards are full of authors who never wrote. Our graveyards are full of people who had dreams and they died because somehow the world system tells us you can't. You're too old. You're too young. You're not educated. You're not the right color. You don't speak right. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. you got to make up your mind. I'm unafraid of failure. I'm going to do because God has placed something on me. So when he was sitting outside the bank manager's office, he knew if God is on my side, who can be against me? I'm going to take this I'm going to do this, longevity and growth. So S stands for what? You all can read. <laughs> Maybe. Q stands for? U stands for? My favorite one is the next one, I. I stands for incremental increase. Incremental increase. Now, the video shows you that you went from here to here in time lapse. It just became like that. It's taken 30 years to get this place. So one day, Moses and God were having an argument. And Moses was reminding God of his promises. You know, God doesn't forget. So Moses is trying to impress on God, you gave me a promise. I wanted to see what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. Verse 29 and 30. This is God speaking. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Because the land will become too desolate and the animals too numerous for you. The next three words are my favorite words in the Bible. Let's read that together. One, two, three. Let's say that one more time. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. What God is saying, it is your promise. It is yours. But I want to give it to you, not all of a sudden.
I know all of us are waiting on God's promises and we're reminding us, Him, when will it happen? When will it happen? When will it happen? And God is saying, it will happen, but it will happen little by little. Oh, how encouraging that is. How God does His work, not instantaneous, but little by little, little by little. And I'm here to explain to you that the next few years, God is just going to keep doing it little by little, little by little. And you will not even be able to comprehend what God is doing because it's going to be in those incremental steps that God is taking. Incremental increase, little by little. There's an R after that. That R stands for risks. Risks. Huh. Risks. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us could have a guaranteed life? Wouldn't that be wonderful? A guaranteed life. A guaranteed life which says, listen, you can never fail. It's all be yours. This is what I've learned. When you're 100% sure, you're too late. Somebody's got to take a risk. How many ladies are married? Married ladies, married ladies. Boy, you took a risk. There is no sure thing in life except Jesus. Apart from that, life is just full of risks. People leave their homes in the, in the morning. Something happens, they don't make it back. Life is full of risks. Economy is full of risks. Relationships are full of risks. And some of you are sitting over here looking for God to speak to you in some kind of a thunder voice. <laughs> Go do it. And I'm here to say to you, what God is churning in your spirit, jump. Go play in the traffic. Do something. Because anybody can play it safe. Listen, can I, can I, can I, Say it as crudely as I can. We didn't make it in this room because somebody played it safe. Yeah. Oh, Rivers Church, be a, and, and all the other people who are here, be people who are known to take those steps that others will not take. Because if you just take the steps everyone else is taking, you're just average. I, is there anybody in this room who said, you know, I just want to be in an average family. I just want to be an average earner. I just want to live, live in an average house. I just want my kids to be average. I just want to make enough average money. I just want to be average. Anybody like that? But you will never break through the ceiling of average unless you're willing to take some risks. And the greatest risk you're going to take, I'm going to tell you something. The greatest risk you're going to take is not money. The greatest risk you're going to take is what other people might say about you. I am here to tell you, who cares? If you can lose your fear of what people are going to say about you, Because those people live in your head rent-free. 
somebody ought to offer an eviction notice. And remind yourself that God placed you on this planet with greatness in your life. And you don't want average people to hold greatness down. So be rid of all the things in your head and do what God has called you to do. Be brave. Be triumphant. Be victorious. Take a risk. Longevity and growth comes out of next hour. Relationships. Relationships. We're in this room because of relationships. Those videos that my some of my friends have sent you all came out of relationships. Did you notice they were all repeating themselves? <laughs> They're going to hear about it tonight. <laughs> I've already got my think thinking, Ashley Evans, Jane Evans, can't you say anything different? <laughs> Scott Williams, cut your hair. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say all those things to them. I'm, 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 I'm going, to, I'm going to remind them of all of those things. <laughs> Relationships. I'm here to tell you everywhere you're going to go in life is going to be because of relationships. Mm -hmm. So God made Adam in the Garden of Eden. He looked at men. And the first negative words out of the mouth of God, the first negative words out of the mouth of God, till then he said, he made light and this, that, the other. He said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. He looks at men and says, it is not good that man be alone. The first corrective thing that God did to his own creation now, you would think that he is God and he should have known about this thing. I mean, do you ever have those thoughts like, I mean, didn't you know? I mean, I mean you're omniscient, you know? I went to a theology class where they taught us those big words that mean nothing, but they make the professor look better than us. I mean, aren't you supposed to know all this God? I mean, didn't you know that he was incomplete? The first negative words and the first corrective action was in the context of creating relationships. Listen, you and I were built for relationship. You know, one of the worst things that happened during COVID is that somehow we felt like our relationship was slipping away. And River Surge did an amazing job of trying to keep people in touch. But I'm here to tell you, it's all about relationships. But then I need to take you to the letter E which is eruptions, 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 mm, eruptions. Over the last 30 years, Rivers Church had many good days, but like a volcano, it has also had eruptive days. Where people who said they were part of the house got upset over something. You know, the church, let me say it this way. If you find a perfect church, don't go there. Because as soon as you go there, 
It's not going to be perfect anymore. So, okay. You're wondering if I need to give you a biblical example. So here's some Bible. The church is like Noah's Ark. It might be stinking, but the best thing afloat. You, 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 come to, you, come to, you come to Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah, Pastor, Pastor Andre, Pastor Wilma, Pastor Noah. Have you seen the elephant? He lifted up his tail. Relax, Pastor Chris, I'm not going to say it. Don't be nervous, Pastor Andre. I've got to be back Sunday, right? Are you all coming back Sunday? Yeah. I'm looking for you. And may, elephant made a deposit. Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah, have you seen the chicken? A little do here, a little do there. I'm stepping in chicken do all day long. And did you see Sister Giraffe? Whoop! Bam! And Pastor Noah looks at you and says, you know, I don't like what the elephant is doing, or the chicken, or the giraffe. But look outside the window. What options do you have? <laughs> I want to say to all of you, make up your mind that reverse is my church. This is my home. Doesn't matter what people say, what people do. I'm not going anywhere. You cannot run me off. I'm here to stay. You cannot say anything. You cannot do anything. This is my home. Listen, if you're looking for mean people, go to church. Listen, my father was a pastor. I've been raised in a spiritual Pentecostal pastor's home. I've been around church folk all my life. They're crazy. <laughs> Insane. And if you're looking to get offended, you'll get it tonight. <laughs> I promise you, I promise you. We give you opportunities all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But it takes a resolve of 30 years of some eruptive moments where people they thought would never leave them left them. People they thought would always be there for them were not there for them. <laughs> people who said we are there are not there. Oh, we got your back. Way back. Uh, longevity and growth does not come to mamby-pamby weaklings. Doesn't come to some people who get their feelings, eh, why didn't they say that? I don't know why they said that. Just slap them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
Oh, I wish I, I wish I could. I, I wish I could let you know that growth and longevity comes from faithful people who are there because they know God has planted them there. God has placed them there. God has a purpose for them there. God put destiny in their life there. I'm not going anywhere. You cannot run me off because this is my home. And the last alphabet is. I know you've been timing me. So the last alphabet is what? I know how church folk are. They start timing on the first point. Took five minutes, he's got eight points, that's 40 minutes, he can't preach that long. I want everyone to know there's a clock over here. I want everyone to know God is telling me got nine minutes and 17 seconds left. And I want you to know just like this pulpit can go down, I can go down too. So I just, 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 I'm, I'm very well, I wanna go home and not down there. L stands for leadership. L stands for leadership, leadership, leadership. I've been around leaders actually doing work with leaders for 35, 36 years now. I need for you all to know something. My friends Andre and Wilma Olivier are as world-class leaders as you're going to ever meet. I just love to hear them talk. Because it doesn't matter, I'm not even a member of this church and they're not looking to me for anything but they're casting vision, casting vision because they are leaders. And you know leaders do three things, leaders do three things. Let me give this to you real quickly because that's what your leaders do. They discover, develop, deploy. They discover, develop, deploy. They do what, number one is what? Discover, number two? Number three, everybody who's on staff here, everybody who's a volunteer here, somebody, somewhere, did number one, they discovered you, they developed you, they deployed you. It was 1974, I was a Bible college student along with Brenda, so glad my wife Brenda's here with me tonight. So Brenda, Brenda yeah, thank God for Brenda. Brenda and I got married in 1979. I made her promise. I said, if you ever leave me, I'm coming with you. <laughs> so we were Bible college students together in Atlanta. It was 1974, it was our midweek service, a small church, uh, Thursday night midweek service. My pastor's name was Tom Grinder. Tom Grinder, he's gone on to be with Jesus. So it was a small church, aisle in the middle. So I was sitting on the back row, just minding my own business. Now, Pastor Tom Grinder was a man of routine. So he'd be out there in the church foyer, shaking people's hands, welcoming them in. And one minute till seven, he would walk down the middle, uh, the, the side of the church, the, behind the back row. He'd come around the top, come to the pulpit, open the service. So it was a man of discipline like that. So I'm sitting in the back row, and he doesn't know me hard. I mean, I've spoken to him maybe two minutes, and all of that was, hi, hello, how are you kind of thing. 
So he didn't really know me. He just knew Sam is here. He knew my name. I'm sitting in the back. He says to me, Sam, you leading singing tonight. <laughs> now, in those days, we didn't have worship leaders with ripped jeans. <laughs> I just got tired watching Lloyd. Just got tired. I'm swe he's sweating, I'm sweating more than he's sweating. <laughs> so we, we, had, we had song leaders. And we sang out of a thing called a hymnal. Now, does anyone in here know what a hymnal? Okay. Hymnal is a book with songs in it. And we sang out of the red hymnal. You need to know in those days, there were hymnals with varying amounts of uh, anointing on them. <laughs> so he tapped me on the shoulder. He tapped me on the shoulder and says, Sam, you're leading singing tonight. Didn't wait for me to say, let me pray about it. <laughs> because that's the Christian way to say, I'll come back to you three days from now and say no. <laughs> so, and he kept on walking. So I picked up a red hymnal, and I, I know I'm dating myself. I'm 70 years of age, so I'm dating myself. So I pick up, and I remember number 57 was Amazing Grace. Number 120 was Victory in Jesus, I know. And, and, and so he kept on walking. He's like 15 paces ahead of me. I'm behind him with my red hymnal, and I come up there, and he opens a service, and I'm up. Now, all of a sudden, a thought occurred to me. Sam, you've never led singing before. <laughs> but a second thought occurred to me. But they don't know <laughs> that you've never led singing. So in those days, now in those days, Lloyd, eat your heart out here. <laughs> in those days, you remember that? And then you had the power move. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. In the balcony, everybody. One, free up your hands. Here we go. One, two, three. Just follow me. And that's a power move, right? So I did that, and then Pastor Tom Grinder came to me, and I became a substitute. So I always prayed for the guy to be sick so I could... And then one day he came to me, he said, Sam, I want you to resurrect our choir. We have not had choir in a few years. So he took me back, think small church, took me back in the closet, and there were these choir robes hanging, green, golden sash, and they'd been hanging so long that the white where the hangers were hanging. You dusted them off, dust came off, you could make a man out of enough dust. So I went to Brenda and the rest of my friends at Bible College. I said, hey, pastors asked me to start a choir. Will you all join me in the choir? Sure. So I became the choir director. And then one day, Pastor Tom Grinder came to me and said to me, Sam, I want to start a nursing home ministry. I'd never been to a nursing home. I'm from India. I mean, what's nursing home? <laughs> so I went down. 
about three, four miles down the road, and I found a nursing home. And I walked in there to a large nursing home, hundreds of people there. I walked in there and I said, do you all have any church services here? They said, no, we don't. I said, can I talk to the director? Director comes out. I said, do you all have church services here? I said, they said, no. And I said, I'd like to start church service here. My pastor sent me here. So he said, what will you do? I said, I will sing, I will preach, I'll pray. He said, sure. Now, I did not know it was a Jewish. <laughs> it's still there. It's called Briarcliff Nursing Home. So, <laughs> ignorance is wonderful. <laughs> so, I went there the first, first day. I went over there. I used to play the accordion in those days. I still do, but anyhow, I had an accordion in those days. And I went to the, they had a little chapel area, oh, just about like this. And, and, and I'm standing there, and there's this one lady, old lady, in a wheelchair in front of me, in a straight jacket. I don't know how she got there, but she was there, and I sang. I mean, she would just sleep throughout the whole thing, drool coming down. And when she woke up, she said, let me out of here, let me out of here. So I went back to the Bible college and said to my friends, I said, hey, listen, I need your help. Will you come with me Sunday afternoons? What do you want us to do? Just go in there, don't ask questions, they'll be in wheelchairs, don't tell them where you're taking them, bring them in. My church grew from one to a hundred. Then when I went back to India, Brenda took over that ministry. Why am I telling that story? One day I was sitting in the back of the church and my pastor tapped me on the shoulder, asked me to do something I had never done before, and here I am at Rivers Church today. Everyone in this room in some shape, manner, or form, have been tapped on the shoulders. But Pastor Andre, Pastor Wilma Olivier, thank you for being the world's best tapper. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.